It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Well, after weeks of picking sides and playing the blame game, is it the Eagles' offense or the defense most responsible for the team's disappointment? The Eagles finally settled the debate for us. As Jason Kelsey once famously screamed from a podium, it's the whole team! The Eagles came out flat offensively, imploded defensively in a 27-20 loss to a bad Cowboys team. They fell to 4-5 and five and quite clearly are not a Super Bowl caliber team and maybe not even a playoff team. Today on Inside the Birds, we'll take a deep look into the Eagles' Super Bowl hangover season, how they've arrived here, and where they're going to go from here. Jeff Mosher alongside Adam Kaplan. Adam, this game reeked of bad coaching mixed with bad execution, sprinkled in with a few more injuries that wind up being debilitating to the Eagles with Ronald Darby going out. What has happened to this team? I think that is really the question now that we've passed the midway mark. This team has played nine games. There's no way anyone could have forecasted this team past the halfway point when you were looking at the entire season, that they would have a losing record. No way. Not, not, not even no close. Way. No, I, I, I went through my game-by-game game picks. It's funny you bring this up. And I was seeing where I was wrong. There was just things that would happen. I didn't see it. It had nothing to do with injuries. Like You could blame injuries all you want. They certainly have had their share of them, to a degree more than last season. But to think like that is the reason? No, you, you touched it on here. It's Part of it's coaching. I, I happened to talk to the Cowboys before and after the game. And they brought up some good points to me. The stuff that I would not see as a is you know for the layman. I'm not in you know I don't work for an NFL team. I can only ask questions about what teams see on film. And they thought coming into the game they had a very good beat on what the Eagles do, Jeff. And they came out of it thinking you know what we got pretty much what we expected. Um, they didn't know what to make of the Eagles' run game. We'll get into that whether they should do more of it or not. But they thought as as we've been talking about for weeks is that they're, they have a very predictable offense. You know that they're not going to run the ball very much, and they're, they're not going to stay with it, so that's what they got. But they they thought they would see more of Golden Tate. That was the one big surprise. They didn't see I think it. everyone did. Uh, although, although I would say Doug Peterson said before the game, there's going to be a package of plays. Mike Groh talked about that, and that's kind of what they got. But it's just the usage of them. The usage of personnel has probably been one of the biggest disappointments of the coaching staff, of this particular coaching staff. Yes, they had some changes, which... You and I have talked about really since June, since you and I have been sitting down and talking about the Eagles. That is really, I think, the thing that the fans and the media is missing. The misuse of personnel packages. Uh, You and I talked about, we knew it after the Golden Tate trade, you could forget about 12 personnel. That's not going to happen. They're going to go to one back, three receivers quite a bit. That's what we're seeing. That's not going to change until the offseason. I've been saying this for weeks. Jeff, Doug Peterson's not going to change until he's got a he's got a while to sit down, talk to his coaches. How could he better use personnel? Because that is part of coaching, Jeff. 
No doubt. Using what you're given. Doug Peterson, who's the the head coach and the play caller, has not done a good enough job, and it starts with him. There's an adage that often holds true that shouldn't be an excuse, but I think it's something that we're seeing before our eyes anyway that we should address, and that's the idea of when a player has a career season, right? It's very difficult to see that player or a group of players come back and replicate the season before. It's just the natural order of any sport, even in baseball. Peyton Manning hit over in 50 touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. You got your sure. top 5% in any sport who are just great every single year, and there's very little variance. But a lot of your core players aren't elite top five players, and they do vary from year to year. I think one of the biggest letdowns for this team that feeds into the Super Bowl hangover theme are you have three or four players that just not are performing as well as they did last year. Corey Clint is, Clement is an obvious one. Nigel Bradham is one that we don't talk about enough. Just not... Last year, this guy made every single third down play that needed He's to be He's a made. lifesaver for that defense. He, sure. just, he yep. just didn't... He yep. has not played that well. The secondary last year that we talked about, granted, it's had injuries. Guys just have not played as well. Jalen Mills played formidably last year. Had some interceptions in big moments. Before he got hurt... A couple weeks ago, he was not playing as well. They're just, you look across the board and you just see not enough guys who contributed last year bringing that same caliber of play to this season. And that's the difference between winning games and losing in the NFL because they're only losing every game so far has been why one possession or fewer. Well, they're all been one possession losses. And so to me, that's what we get into when we talk about this, Adam. The Super Bowl hangover is it's real, you're seeing it both in execution, in individual play, and in coaching. And you brought up mismatch of scheme and personnel and what they're doing. And, you know, Billy Osborne, a big part of this podcast too, has talked about the predictability that he's seen from Doug he's Peterson. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, and if, if you're going to start somewhere, I think we have to start with coaches as far as setting a tone going into the year. Well... Coming into the season, we all had expectations because the team won the Super Bowl. So how could you not? And I threw this on Twitter, and I, I sort of regret it. I said that. No, no, you're not supposed to regret anything. No, you put but out on Twitter, <laughs> hey, on Twitter, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I hope no one retweets it because you know I said, "Is this team better than? La- is this roster better than last year?" Yeah. You know, Joe Banner had said to me privately, and he's actually I think probably talked about it in interviews. He said, "Look, they're going to miss Vinnie Curry and Bo Allen." Mm-hmm. And I think they clearly have depth on the defensive line, especially the interior, has been an issue. But going in, there was no reason to think. Now, we didn't know that at that point that um, Mike Wallace would get hurt and Matt Collins would not play. Well, that was a factor. But, you know, coaching is taking what you're given, like last year when, when Doug Peterson lost Carson Wentz. They didn't miss a beat. I mean, overall, they didn't, especially in the playoffs. Right. It's figuring out a way to get it done. And Doug Peterson and his coaches need to do a better job here. And they deserve the criticism that they're getting. Now, you can't, it's hard to make up for injuries. And you know that I've said this on the show, and I think you guys agreed. For the last two, two and a half months, I'm like, where are the explosive plays downfield? They didn't get No, they finally Cooper. got one to Aguilar, but that was it. And that was broken. Remember that the, the play against Tennessee? No, I'm talking about the 51 yard of the head uh, against oh, the Cowboys. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's one of the few. They've had very few. Although Carson's pass per attempt is a little bit up. Right. That's not reflective of what the tape shows. They're not getting the ball downfield. I, I mentioned the stat last week before the game, and it's now added one to the rung. Every time Zach Hurts has a 100-yard game this year, the Eagles lose. He's had four. They've lost all four. 0-4 when Zach Hurts gets 100 yards. That's not an indictment Jeff, of Zach Hurts. Do you know how rare it is for a, a tight end to get a 100-yard game? It's like never happens. Right. It just shows how reliant they are. Too reliant. Too reliant. Yeah. Over-reliant yes. on Zach Hurts. And predictable. I went to the visiting locker room after the game. I spoke with Leighton Vander Esch, the rookie who linebacker. He's filling in for Sean Lee. He picked off Carson Wentz on the first drive. But more importantly, third and two on the Eagles' fourth quarter drive trying to win this game, he blows up that screen to Corey Clement. And I said, I was asking about it, and he said, I just had this sense that they were going to throw a screen there. And I said, why? He goes, it's just something that they like to do. So you look at this two ways. And I said, well, you know, they actually got a touchdown off that very same play against Jacksonville. 
They got one to Wendell Smallwood. Was that in your back of your mind, Leighton? Yeah, it was. I knew that that's a play that they like to go to. So you look at it two ways. It's easy to say when it works, well, then that's a great play, right? You can't go You can't go to the well that many times in the same situation expecting that the other team is not doing their homework. Granted, he's a first-round pick, but Adam, he's a rookie linebacker. He just won defensive when you're, play, rookie defensive player of the week, When by you the get way. outsmarted by a rookie <laughs> yeah. linebacker good, on one of not your good. bread and butter plays, that's not good. So, so that goes down a personnel usage and predictability that Bill Osborne has been saying. You know, Bill's been big, they should run the ball, but I think it's more about the defenses knowing what's coming. So I, that was the one thing that I got from my talk with the Cowboys on Monday morning. Uh, they felt that they got pretty much the Eagles offense. They knew what they were going to get, and they pretty much got it. There were some there were some questions that they weren't sure how much the Eagles would run the football. And when they the Eagles went stopped going to Josh Adams, they were actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And they could not handle it, Big V getting out in space because he's too big. And you can't once he when Big V gets downhill and Josh Adams gets downhill, it's over with. You can't stop them. And the Eagles and it wasn't like the game was a blowout. The game was tight. Mm-hmm. You know, for most of it. Like you need to keep running a little, just a little bit, and they don't do that because this is not uh, the, the, the last year they did because they had a lead. Right. They don't have leads anymore. Jeff, do you know what the point differential at home is from last year? No, it's got to be. It's I mean they had so this? many blowouts at home last year. Exactly, it must be the schedule huge. was much easier last year. Yeah, the point differential. And I'm, I'm going to include those two games that didn't matter: the Oakland game, the Dallas game, where they didn't play well. Plus one twenty-two. You know what they are this year at home through five games? Minus three. Wow, that's huge. I mean, we've talked about so many different things that are different from last year to this year as far as turnovers and takeaway margin, right? Margin of victory, margin of loss. I mean, everything. This team, to me, Adam, has enough talent. And I know the old old adage, you are what you are. You are what your record says it is. Bill Parcells, right? (laughs) That is true. And they are losing for reasons. But I don't believe that in many of the cases for teams that they've lost to, that they're really that much worse, or even that they're worse overall. Because the games are close, as you The said. games are yeah. all close. Now, even some of their wins have been close, too, so I understand that, but there's got to be something, and I think it starts again at the top, I think it starts with the coaches, that sets a better tone for execution throughout the week for this team. All right, so the media, you know, I don't always agree with some of the questions they ask, but mm-hmm. I liked, I forget who asked it, is there something going on in preparation during the week that you're not getting? So I remember talking to Eagle sources last year during the season when things were going well, but they did say there was a play. It was um, it might have been prior to the I think it was prior to the Atlanta playoff game. They had they had a couple instances where Doug went off. He just lost it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ball hit the ground and no one dove for it, and they didn't know it wasn't wasn't a fumble. So so the question is, are they not preparing the right way? Is Doug getting on them? Doug can. I, I've talked to. Couple people very close to the situation. I've heard Doug, the same. He, Doug gets he salty when he needs to, to. Yes. yeah. Yeah. So you can't do that every week. You you can't if you're not a yell and screamer, you have to be yourself. Right. But what is missing here, Jeff? This is to me the number one question mark. How the hell are they four and five? How is it even possible? You 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 laid it out really well. How after nine games does this team have a losing record when the games are tight every week? Right. And it was easier in September and October, Adam, to say, well, you know what? They just didn't execute this one or two plays they could have won. But now you have to step back and look at it into a bigger picture. Why is it Unpack that, this for us. Yes. Why is it that through nine games, there have been these lapses in execution? And I didn't put much stock in it then. I didn't know how to feel about it then. But I'm starting to wonder now, looking back on it, if the whole... Super Bowl lateness, the hangover, the, you know, Doug doing a book tour right at the start of the season. If this Keep team going. just did not come into the year with their true understanding of what it means to be defending Super Bowl champs and getting the best roundhouse right from the opponent every week and taking that mantle and saying, we are going to understand what's coming up against us. You nailed it. Okay, so... I had said, and I, a couple of people said something, they wanted me to explain that a little deeper, so I'm going to repeat it again, because here we are, they're four and five. I think this team has a little bit of entitlement. I haven't brought this up probably in like five weeks on the show. You do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to develop what you just said. They started late. That's, you know, that's a good thing to happen. It's not a bad thing. They won the Super Bowl, so they started late. Doug does his book tour. Do you think Bill Belichick's doing a book tour? For winning the Super Bowl? No, they don't. They turn the page. They they don't work for a week. 
The coaches have to, because they're getting back so late, they have to get ready for free agency in the draft, and they just turn the page. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jug said they're going to celebrate until the ring ceremony. I mean, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, look, look. Okay, it's his prerogative. He can do it. It's his life. It's his coaching career. Right. But you're setting the tone that somehow you're going to turn the page when training camp comes. Right. You've had this mindset the whole offseason, Jeff. We're still celebrating. And so I'm conflicted, though, because this is not a team. You know, if it's one thing if it is the Patriots or even the Packers or the Steelers who have championships. This was such an iconic moment for this franchise, for this team, that I have a hard time blaming them for really reveling in it. But that's the fans, But at the same point, someone. Yes. There's got to be one person, and it's got to be the leader, the coach, right, who says, it's over. Let's go. Okay, and I'm sure he did. Okay, so I'm a long, you know, I've lived my whole life here, except for being away from school. I know you've been here in this market a long time. I get the celebration part. Mm Mm-hmm. I get Jeffrey Lurie. He, he, he experienced a lot of losing when he first bought the team. He's been through a lot. A lot. I mean, one of these days we'll go over everything he's been through. But the fact of the matter is, you have to turn the page. Mm-hmm. And I know it's interesting. Howie Rosen made a very big point at the Combine. He made it very clear that they're turning the page. And I thought that was interesting. I thought that Howie, of all people, said that. I was like, oh, it's really good. He's one of their leaders. Yes. The football operation, smart move. But the head coach did not. Right. The head coach made he was like living this up, the, the you know the book fearless, which he certainly was. I I hear what you're saying. I don't have a problem with feeling great about this in March, but and they've never been here before. Act like you've been here before. They never have. They they do not act like they've been. They there don't. Before. They don't. And, and I think <laughs> this was and I I could not find the exact quote, but I know it was said either by Kelsey, or one of the veteran leaders. They were. I fact I'm almost certain it was Kelsey around mm-hmm. weeks three, four, or five. When they were like, wow, this is this team does not look as good as we thought it would be. They were searching for their urgency. I'm like, that is, I appreciate his honesty. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm thinking Kelsey said it, but whoever said it, good for them. That is not a good thing to have. Like, if you need urgency, you won the damn Super Bowl. Why is this a problem? Because you celebrated too much. I am, they have a great locker room, by the way. That That's not the issue. When I say Correct. entitlement, you just think you could just show up and be great. That's what they were talking about, urgency. That, to me, permeated their mindset. They could say whatever the hell they want. I don't believe it. I am convinced it started with Doug. Now, I, I give Doug all the, the credit in the world for that football team winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. One of the all-time jobs is Philadelphia Sports History. I've lived here just about my whole life. Um, I would probably put it number one, and I'm talking with Billy Cunningham, 82-83, Fred Shiro, the two, the, two, um, the two Stanley Cups. Right. I'm talking Dallas Green. The Dallas Greens, Jeff, w- was un effing believable he was what great. he did he, he got the players to hate him yes to get them to play okay yes that i'd have to we'd have to debate which win was better. in spite of me <laughs> exactly and larry bose talked about it but yeah Doug, when you lose your quarterback and every i give doug all the credit in the world okay that's not what i'm talking about here i'm talking about creating and setting the table for a mindset for an offseason way too much celebrating they could say whatever they want they're mm-hmm. not going to convince me otherwise so I look at it almost like, look at the opponent coming up, the Saints, right? I I don't know if it's a very similar or a carbon copy situation, but they had a year where they signed Drew Brees and then, you know, the the hurricane just completely puts the community in a really difficult spot and all they have is the Saints to rally around and then they go and win the Super Bowl and you think, my gosh, they've got a lot of young talent there that they can win the Super Bowl year after year after year. Maybe they reveled in it for quite a long time and it took them a few years to get back on track. I don't say. know. It's, it's hard, hard to say. say. It's hard. There's a lot of individual... I, this I'm just trying to think we're closer to of... this thing. We're closer to this thing here. What do you mean by closer? I think we, we have, because we talk to the right people, uh-huh. and then just... Oh just, yeah, our knowledge of... Right, yeah, I, just, no, no, just, I and there are the, 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 the unique thing about this Eagles team last year, and for the most part this season, they have a great... They, they're really good guys who really care. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just success in business. When you get to a certain level, you think you've arrived. It's like when Lane, when Lane Johnson did the, and I'm not, I'm a huge Lane fan, as we all know, we all like Lane. Yeah. But he talked about, hey, you know, the the, the New England, they don't have fun over there. And he was talking about, hey, I'm, you know, if we never win another Super, whatever the quote he said, yeah, even to Barstool, right. I was like, yeah, I get what you're saying, man, but. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. Especially, it doesn't sound good like months later when you're away from the Super Bowl. You know, exactly. It's worn off a little bit. And Jeff, you'd said it a couple minutes ago. I think the fan, the fan base will tell you if they die tomorrow, they have that Super Bowl. Yes, I think it's true. 
I think it's true. I think it's absolutely true. And I don't think it's going to change. And this is what we're dealing with right now. Do, do you think there are guys on the team that are pressing, specifically Carson Wentz? Do you think that he's trying a little too hard? Okay, so... Which, by the way, sounds like an excuse. It's no, not. Because if he is, I would be cr- I'm critical well, he, of that. Well, let's put it this way. Up to last week's game, not that he's playing at last year's level, which is, you're talking about historic, my MVP Hall of Fame level before he got hurt, he was close, okay? He, right. To think that he's coming back from this horrific injury this well is incredible. It's a tribute to him, obviously, and, and to everyone who helped him rehab. But last week, the first half, you know, a lot of his, his mechanics, his footwork... The legs were they were too far apart. Um, the balls were going really down. It looked like Randall Cunningham over, not Randall uh, Donovan. The balls were going too low, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What is what is wrong with him here?" I don't know. And then the second half, he started to gather himself, and man, he put the team on his back. I mean, he was he was slinging it, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wow, he might actually pull this one out." And they didn't. Right. I felt better about him at he closed the game, but you know, you you said it very well at the top here. It's the whole team. There's no give me an error where they're performing at a high level. I can't. Other than Zach Ertz as a tight end, he, I cannot off the give. Hook, yeah, right, I can't. Right. I can't. Sure. I, there's no. There's nobody playing. I want to say equally or better than they did last year. Other than maybe Zach Ertz. That's a great question, and I think that's what we're, we're trying to take a deep dive into. And I'll go back to this. The, my conversation with Leighton Vanderish was really odd for me about hearing him talk about having a sense of what the Eagles were going to do on a major play in the fourth quarter because. Just, I want to say, three weeks earlier, I was in the visiting locker room again talking about the Eagles and what they were doing. And this time, it's the Carolina Panthers. And this time, it's Luke Keekley who I'm talking to and asking him about the final play. And he almost says the same thing. He says, you know, good quarterbacks, good teams, no matter what, they're always going to look in a situation in the fourth quarter when they're trying to win for their key guys. So the reason why they're converging on Alshon and making him hold the ball a little longer by, by throwing that, that coverage there is because they knew Carson was going to be keyed on Alshon because there's only two guys that Carson's going to throw the ball to. Correct. But, well, well, now, now, okay, so I'll give you another example of what you just said. So I'm watching the, the Giants uh, 49er game. And pretty much you think it's going to go to Beckham. Maybe Evan Ingram because he's big, but he has not played well this season. Mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard did not do anything that game. And they had a clear out for him. I mean, th- this is this is what you do. This is what the Eagles tried to do on the final play that didn't get the first down because Nelson did not go farther. He was supposed to take his guy all the way out. He, 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 everything has got to be precise. When you when, when it's the game's on the line, now you... The, the you know people have argued. Well, why didn't he run past the sticks to get a first down? I can't answer that. I'm not a coach, but it seems like something implodes in every one of these games when they lose. Something somebody makes a critical mistake. Carson mm-hmm. doesn't make the right right read, or if he makes the right read, not he don't get it's the right doubled. block. It's du- it's right. du- it's doubled, and he's got to get rid of the football. You can't put that on him. Yeah, and is it coaching, Jeff? Or is it execution? Now, now Doug said his press conference, Jeff. It's been execution. Well, I know, and I, that was a little surprising. I'm not going to sound put, like Chip. I, I'm not. I was going to say I'm not putting him in Chip Kelly level <laughs> where we're calling all the right plays and they're screwing it up. But I have. A, you mentioned entitlement, and you can you can morph that word into hubris or arrogance or just overconfidence, whatever you want. When you use a third round pick, that's that's pretty good bounty in the NFL. You use a third round pick to get a really smart receiver like Golden Tate, and then. Yes, I get it. He's not going to play the whole game, but you go look at how much Amari Cooper played in his first game against the Cowboys. Go look at how much Demar- Demarius Thomas played in his first game with um, who-, who traded for Demarius. Now it's well, he just got he just he actually his first game. Uh, Houston, was, no, he, played he a just lot. played. Yeah, he yeah, played he a three lot. Catch it for sixty-one okay. yards or something. Yeah, Golden Tate maybe she wasn't ready to play eighty percent of the offense. He played a criminally low number of snaps and was used in a way that I felt was not right. And the excuse that came you used the th- Adam, you only got eight eight yeah, games with him. I could tell you, you that only have eight games exactly. and you blew one because the reuse was well we wanted to get into our up tempo offense. He couldn't and re- you're playing Dallas, yeah, man. Yeah, Use you your win, guy. Man. Yeah, and, and the Cowboys thought they were the, the one Cowboys source told me he said because they had already played. He's got 135 yards the last time he played. Well, Dallas. They also thought because <laughs> Doug is because they have a high respect for Doug as a play caller. Uh-huh. They thought for sure that he was going to run the ball. Golden Tate, um, maybe do a wildcat. They were ready for anything, and they didn't really get it. They thought, gosh, it was. They thought that because they didn't really play them last year when they were doing all the RPO stuff. Because remember, they played them when um, Sudfeld played. 
The game didn't mean anything. That's when Frank Reich actually called the plays. Most mm-hmm. people don't know that, but that's mm-hmm. actually what happened. But they went by this year's tape study, and they, they looked last year. They thought that they're just running the same kind of plays over and over and over. You kind of know with RPOs what you're going to get. Right. Um, they know if it's a reduced front what you're going to get. They, they kind of know what they're thinking. And Van Arash, from talking to the Cowboys, is, though he's a little bit raw, he's advanced. He's actually very instinctual for a young linebacker. And he's going to be a good player. He's going to be a good player. He's going to be and, really and good. To be honest, w- th- let's talk about the difference in what I'm saying, right? I don't think, and I said this last week, and I said it was the most under-discussed storyline of the year, and now maybe people, I, I hear people talking about it. The play that the Eagles are getting from their linebacker level, Jordan Hicks, Nigel Bradham, and then whoever, whether it's Nate Gary or Camus Grugier-Hill they put in there oh, when they need. Bad drop. They're all failing the Eagles right now. None of them are making plays. And you look at the Cowboys, and they get Leighton Vander Esch to sub in. And Miles, not Miles Jack, uh, Jalen Smith is playing very nice. They have a nice playmaking really core good. of inside linebackers. And Sean Lee didn't even play. I and Sean Lee didn't sure. play. That's my Jeff, point. <laughs> I thought for sure. This is, it's funny. You know, I picked the Eagles to win 24-13. Well, I thought because Sean Lee would, was out, They'd be able to take advantage of them. They really didn't. No. That's where the screen game, the Cowboys told me that when they studied Carson, he was not, and I was right about this, they confirmed what I had thought, that Carson will not take the check down. Mm-hmm. Though you said that Van Der Esch told you, he just thought, based on their tape study, Yeah, that's past, not a check down, that's a screen, right? That's a screen, yeah, right. Okay, whatever it is, but that was predictable. Right. But this game... Sean Lee is a coach on the field. He's still, when healthy, one of the NFL's best linebackers. He's unbelievable. He covers so athletic, you know, from his Penn State days. Great football player. He would be a Hall of Famer if not for the injuries. If not for so injuries, right. They did not take advantage. This is my big thing. Right. I'm going to harp. This is one thing I've not done a good job of this show on. The one thing I've missed on is harping on things that Doug is not doing well. Mm-hmm. You need to take advantage of the personnel that you have. There's been, they'll deny this. I know they'll deny this, but there's been some sort of disconnect between the personnel staff and the coaching staff. This is what I mean. When you when you, when you you know you're drafting a player, the, the personnel staff says, guys, this is probably what we're going to do here. What do you think? You studied him. Um, what, how are we going to use him? We, we've talked about the Goddard stuff ad nauseum. Goddard, I told you, was it's not going to be a factor. Yeah. You have... they Doug found out within days that this is probably going to happen with Golden Tate. He knew that they were on him. Okay. How are you going to use him? Okay, first game, you're not going to overload him because we do a lot of different stuff. How could he help us make an explosive play? That's what we're missing. That's why we traded for him. That, Jeff, is the problem. It's not the amount of snaps. Figure out a way in 15 or 20 snaps to get this guy the ball in space. Figure it the blank out. Right. I have a real problem here with the excuses. Okay? You can curse on a podcast, by I, the way. I, I know. It just, it, <laughs> I, I, and it's the one thing I thought made Doug so special last season. Uh-huh. He didn't give a blank, call to, according to a high-ranking team source, it didn't seem to matter what happened. I'm going to coax a curse out of you somehow. Okay, I, I hate you know. I try not to, although <laughs> I I'm know, serious, I can. You're such an ESPN button-down professional. You know, no, so, no, yeah, but I'm, look, pretty, look, I'm pretty fucking fired up about there this. There you go. Think, That's what I'm saying. Just, look, I hate bad football, man. You, you asked me, right? Yeah, you it said, bothers the hell out of me. Man. You I'm said, not a cheerleader. You said, Jeff, is it coaching or is it yeah. execution, right? And I think every single play is designed for success. Nobody, no coach draws up a play and says, course, "This is right." For my, Thank you for saying that. But it is the coach's job. Right, the only way execution can be successful is if the coach calls the right play at the right time. So there's your marriage. You so, know how they do it. So go back. Well, wait. I'm going to say yeah. go go back to third and one. Doug goes empty backfield. Okay. No, when you go empty backfield, you're not running. Bill Osborne has taught. How many times has Bill brought that up? The, you're telling the I defense think it's what really, you're doing. You're telling the yeah. defense what you're doing, yeah. and then after you don't get it. You go to fourth and one, and you give the ball to Josh Adams. That you ran the ball. There was no guesswork. He Everybody knew you were going to run. He got they got his body turned. Yeah, right, but the point is, yeah. what if you ran the ball out of that, or at least lined up in that formation on third down? So now the defense is like, well, they they. I don't know if they're running or passing. <laughs> I see what you're, I see and what then you're on saying, four, sure. if you don't get it on fourth down, you run the empty backfield because you know you're going to pass on that anyway. Uh, they, he yeah. did it back. So so they didn't execute, and you can say, well, there was bad blocking, and and Adams took a bad route and on the, the empty backfield play they didn't get what they wanted but what if the coaches put them in a better position to succeed which is the number one job that's it that's personnel usage that's play calling exactly I, the, here here's what i want to add this because this has been a major topic in sports talk radio we need to hit on this before we get out of here you know everyone's calling for coaches heads i'm not big on he just 
I need to address something because it's people don't have a lot of the media does not have good, the right information. Preach, I, just brother, to, tell I, I just need to address something. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't care about relationships I have here. I just want just want to clear something up. And I have a lot of respect for Frank Reich. People are acting like like Frank Reich was like the second coming of coaches here. Mm-hmm. Like, folks, if you're going to say something, back it up with facts. Tell me what Frank Reich did here when he was here. You I know, know he, he did? didn't call plays. Okay. What I know that. What, what did he do? I feel like he was a quarterback cultivator. You know, him, DeFilippo. DeFilippo was and way more impactful on the quarterback. I agree with you because he was the quarterback's coach. But he really, he like he managed the hell out of them. So the, all right, so so the question what is this. Are we, are, is it maybe that the narrative should be about what Mike Groh is or isn't doing as opposed to whether or not Frank Reich is adding or not adding to this team? Okay, let me give you some facts because mm-hmm. no one's talked about this. Good. I'm just going to put some stuff out there. This is why I'm here. So the first year, Frank Reich, they were just trying to figure out what everyone's... Doug, you have to understand, Doug was not familiar with most of his coaches. Frank Reich was not recommended by Doug. Doug Doug didn't have a relationship with him. Right. That Uh, was a big part of Howie. Howie was uh, more instrumental in getting coaches here. Doug had very little to do with the the hiring of his coaching staff. He had okay him with his call. Right. But in terms of getting them here, first of all, they blocked five coaches. Um, Mike Rowe was recommended by another coach on the staff. Mm Mm-hmm. If you just go by a lot, Mike's done a fine job. I'm not even. I'm not even getting to him. I'm getting on. This is about Frank Reich, but people are acting like Frank Reich was like, oh my god, this guy was an innovator. Folks didn't call the plays. He had an impact on one day. It was a day before the game. He would give what he thought Doug should run, what the, he likes. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he red zone or third down? No, neither. Filippo no, was, no. Jo- oh, okay. It was my, um, last season because Mike got there. Right. Mike. Mike had third down, That's and John Filippo had um, red zone. I re- uh, red zone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a running kind of joke in the first year is like, what was Frank doing? Like, what did he really do? Um, there were two things he was really good at. Actually, three. Um, three he didn't really do, but he could do. He could help the receivers out because he's really good with the receivers. But the two things that he was really good at is being a voice of reason for Doug with the play calling in terms of, okay, here's what we're looking at for the game. You know, when they put the final game plan together, he would say, okay, here's what I like because he's a former quarterback. He, he's coached this league before he was an OC for, for the Chargers. He got fired, unfortunately. But he was a voice of reason for Doug for the play calling. And he was a big brother to Carson. Carson, when Carson had issues with anyone or he was frustrated, he would go to Frank because Frank played in the league. Right. And he, look, they had he a talk, really good relationship. Yeah, they had a great relationship. Yeah. And that has value. And as you we talked about maybe in September, maybe even more so than the initial relationship between Carson and DiFilippo, which was more of a... Coach pupil was, type thing, or they a, were going to butt heads. They they butt head. Right. Doug has talked about this, right? So I'm not talking out of turn turn here. They they De Filippo. I think if Eagles would tell you he was brilliant. I mean, he's going to be a head coach. He's probably the top head coaching candidate. But I think that buffer for Carson was important. Now mm-hmm. let me spin this forward. And I, I don't know uh, Press Taylor. He's only 31 years old. You and I and Bill Osborne had uh, we this we did a, like sort of a pilot podcast to get used to working with each other. I said, guys, no one is talking about this, right? Okay, no one is talking about it, but I need to bring something up that's very important. And it's going to be a factor. And we know Carson's playing well. There's no question about that. But do they have anyone in the building who could push Carson's buttons like DeFilippo did? I, I talked to three people about this, and they said no. Um, but they love Press Taylor. They think he's really bright. He's got good energy. And that, yeah, I, I mean, I thought, you're not going to be able to get a carbon copy yeah. of a guy. You well, know. the guy's 31 years old. He's right. never run a quarterback room before. You know what the, do you know what that means? He's never been in charge of the three quarterbacks. Never. He's right. been. He's a quality control coach before. It technically assistant quarterbacks coach, but assistant quarterback coaches don't do very much. Mm-hmm. And now you're giving the whole room, and they had to. I mean, were, where else were they, they were going to go? DeFlippo got, you know, he got a job as an OC with the Vikings. So I think sometimes we don't have the correct information. So what's the takeaway from this? So that, that Doug doesn't miss Frank Reich as much as we think, or that he misses the Reich DeFlippo just the combo, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the comfort so. and the ability so. to have guys talk to each other I, I think, and check each other. I, and here's another thing: I, someone said to me with the Eagles made a great point. It, it, it's off what you just said, and it's my final point in this. Frank's impact on their offense was way greater in, in year two, mm-hmm. way greater. He 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 doesn't. If you if you ever watch practice, he doesn't really do very much. He's more sort of a macro watch where the other coaches see Stout and Deuce Staley. Grow and DeFlippo is there. I got high energy. This uh, Gunner Brewer, the receivers coach, well, he's an older guy, has got a lot of energy. Frank would just watch. Right. But he did have an impact in other areas. But the people here, the talk radio, who don't have any information, no facts, they're just looking for something because they need an answer. And there's one person who people respect a lot. I'm not going to bring the guy's name up, but I'm laughing at this guy's throwing stuff out there. 
he clearly doesn't talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. I've 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 been on this thing for a while, as you know, and I, I followed up with a couple of people last couple of weeks. I said they said girls doing a fine job, but there's a grow there are growing pains when you don't you don't know somebody. Like right. Mike was last year was with the receivers coach, right? Did a yeah. great job. Yeah. So what's going to have to happen here? Doug's going to have to be more patient with them. They have to learn each other. They didn't know each other before this, and Frank didn't know Doug. Right. So. And Frank's input was right greater in year two. And look, Doug's another thing. Doug's year one was not good, Jeff. No, it was not. All. And there was a lot of questions at the end of the year about where the Eagles were headed in. Yes. And what direction. Yes. And so before we get into so that, I, I want to I wanna, no, I wanted to get into injuries a little bit. But, but to wrap this all up, the Eagles fall one game under 500. They have to play the Saints. It's it's not looking <laughs> good right now. They've got other tough games. They got the Texans. They'll have to play the Cowboys. They still have two games Rams, against the Redskins. Brother. If this thing becomes a seven or eight win season, it's the nature of the way it works around Philadelphia. Some teams will not make a change. The Steelers wouldn't make a change. The, the, the Eagles will figure out a way somewhere, somehow, to make a change. Even, even talking two about years ago. Coaching? Yeah, even two years ago. And I'm not saying a big they, – they get rid of Greg Lewis, right? Oh, the receivers are terrible, Greg Lewis. Yeah. He goes out of Kansas City, they have great receivers, and all of a sudden everything's fine. But the, point, <laughs> the bottom line is I, I don't ever remember a season, a, a, a disappointing season in Philadelphia in which at least one person somewhere in the ranks didn't take a hit. It, it could happen. The, it could I, happen. I feel like, but, it but could Jeff, happen. Jeff, here's the problem, though. Mm-hmm. You set this up with it's the whole team. What's one? Maybe there's a coaching change on offense or defense, an assistant. Maybe yeah. we'll see. But th- this roster's flawed. It's way too old. Well, it's, I completely agree. Okay, with you. it's the, gonna. The, the one thing we can roster. agree on is yeah. this roster is going to look a whole lot different I, I, next year. I'll defend the front office from one standpoint. You just won the Super Bowl with these guys, mm-hmm. but you never want to wait till it's too late. You want to do it when it's early enough that you you don't get hit. Yeah. If it, they for the first time, and I haven't seen this in years. We'll get to this more in December, but their cap problem is going to be a challenge. Yes, it will. But overall, man, it, you set this up very well. It's the whole damn team. It is the whole team. Everyone. Hey, I didn't say it. Jason Kelsey did. It was just in a Coaches completely players, different, man. different context. Yep. All right, so there was some news uh, this week from an injury standpoint and a personnel standpoint. Let's first talk about Richard Rodgers. He's now going to be – He has. he's got the return designation. They have three weeks, which I don't think they're going to take, 21 days. He's been if, rolling for yeah, a while. He's yeah. going to practice. He might even play. Do you think he'll play? Well, he to the if Josh Perkins. So you haven't heard from him about two months. Yeah, Josh, who? Right, exactly. <laughs> he was playing early as a receiver because of necessity. When yeah, he had injuries, but does he really add anything? He, here's Richard Rodgers in a nutshell. He's a pretty big underachiever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, I think, a third round f- pick for the Packers. You have Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. The Packers talking to them about him. They were expecting a lot more. They didn't get it. Now, what he did do better is became a better blocker. Correct. But I mean. Dallas Goddard could do that. I, I don't. That's what surprised yeah, me. I, I think this know. is an unfortunate byproduct of Richard Rodgers coming back. Is yeah. that we're going to see less, and, and we're already seeing fewer and fewer snaps for guy. He, he caught a touchdown against Jacksonville, but guess what? That was his only catch. That was his only target, if I'm not mistaken. So it was a great play too. It was a really nice play. I do agree. But however, uh, go back to the first play of the game against the Cowboys. That pass, which was a flick to Zach Ertz because Demarcus Lawrence is pressuring him, was never intended to go to Zach Ertz. It was a play action. You had deep routes for Aguilar. You had a deep route for for um, for Jeffrey. If Zach Ertz could have blocked Demarcus Lawrence just a little bit, and I know that's a difficult draw. Oh, he's a Pro Bowl DN. Yeah. But let's say you have that same formation and Richard Rodgers in there. You might oh, actually get okay. Carson to have enough time to plant the foot and make the throw. But the bigger thing is getting Mike Wallace back. Now, by the time when's he, that coming? Well, here's the problem: by the time he might be available, they, it might be they might be eliminated, <laughs> right. and they may also have Mac Hollins ready to come back because we'll now see. they can only bring one guy back. Yeah, I know. So do they bring back? Is it do, they got to have a receiver back? You, someone that could run. Do you God. think it's between timing or talent? Meaning, do they wait if Mac Hollins is ready to go, but they think that Wallace will be back next week? Do they pause on bringing back Mac, or do they just say whoever's first and ready to go, we need him? Let's get okay, let me answer that question. Here's the issue. Do I, I don't have access to know how well Mac Hollins is running. I don't either. They need one of those two guys has to come back and he's got to be a factor downfield. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop with this compressed passing game, man. It's I don't know how Wentz but is doing as well as he is, but you know what? This is this is this is crazy. I want to give you some before we get out, I gotta give you these numbers. You know how bad their numbers are at home off uh touchdown wise? The games that Carson Wentz started last season at home, you ready for this in touchdowns uh-huh. that they scored? Uh-huh. Three, four, four, three, seven, and three. 24 touchdowns. Wow. In the four games three that Carson. Three per game. It's crazy. Yeah. Seven. Okay. They said seven offensive touchdowns in one game with, with Carson. Okay. In the four starts at home, two, 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 and two, eight. 
That's sick. That That's sick. like the drop off. Yeah. What is going on with this offense, man? I don't know. Get it's, someone uh, a good run. Uh, they they obviously I, again. Now it goes back to me to not having a playmaking running back. Even Andy Reid, who throws the ball more than anybody, has always had a Deuce or a Brian or a Shady or a Jamal Charles or now a Kareem Hunt. Somebody that he feels that when he does give the ball the ten or eleven times in a run game, they're going to make explosive dynamic plays that keep a defense honest. You have no running backs right now making any explosive plays other than Josh Adams who's starting to look he's, he ain't looking like Kareem Hunt but he's starting to look formidable and the there's Cowboys one way liked him, man. they were like wow he looked pretty good there's one way to beat the Saints right it's control the ball keep the ball out of their hands if you're going to beat the Saints you have to control the ball which means you oh. are going to have to run it well Josh Adams I bet you plays the biggest role really guy, I think he gets at least 10 to 12 carries which for I mean, which for, for him Doug, is a lot, Doug. That's that's a that's a, a feature. He got nine against the Cowboys. See, the problem is this is the the, the keep away from Brady. This is what teams tried and it doesn't work because still he's going to get the ball. Now you're probably right in your premise because the Eagles secondary is so bad right now. How the, and I don't care how many how many injuries the, the Saints have at receiver. Mm-hmm. It's not stopping them. Have you ever heard of Alvin Kamara? Yeah. Yeah, he's oh pretty good, God. and with these linebackers oh, not making oh, plays, right. uh, Tim Jernigan. What? Anything? Anything that uh, I, you and I both agreed that people a little bit too excited about the idea that he was back on the practice field and he was going to play. I'd be no, shocked again never, if he plays against New Orleans. Well, he was never going to play against. I don't know where Correct. that came out. That came, well, I think people misinterpreted the report that he's back, meaning he's going to play. No, he's back practicing. They're right. going, they, I, my understanding was they're going to take the full three weeks. Yeah, if you look, they would activate him by Thanksgiving. And yeah, they got to get him conditioned and everything. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he has a, He didn't practice nine months. He had major back surgery. Come I, on, man. I, I'm just. I don't, I'm just I, clearing. I, it no, up but for, what I'm saying is I don't know why people thought he was going to play. We, I can't get these questions on Twitter. I'm like, no. Where are you getting? Is someone reporting this? I didn't say anything. I think the way. Oh, so Howard Eskin was the first to report that okay. he was coming back. And okay, I think, but not think, playing. Yeah, I know, but I don't yeah. think people. Everybody really inter- understood what that meant. A lot of people aren't familiar with the NFI rules, and they may not have realized that he wasn't even practicing at that point. Right. They might have thought coming back meant ready to play. No, sorry. Very quickly. So the Eagles, yeah. my understanding was they thought his condition was really good. Mm-hmm. Like he in his rehab and with a, with a training staff, it was good. All the te- all the testing they did on him was good. So they thought he was ready to start rolling, and they would evalu- evaluate him, take the three weeks. Um, and we'll see. I mean, they boy, could they use a man. Interior pass rush? Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. All right, we're going to go to our Ask an Insider segment or ask I, hashtag Ask ITB on Twitter. And by the <laughs> way, Inside the Birds, we're on Twitter now. Finally, we've got the Inside the Birds uh, Twitter account at Inside Birds. So please make sure to follow us, and then every week we'll answer questions. You can hit us up on Twitter. We used to do the show on Facebook Live. We've changed a little bit, so now if you want to get a question answered, we'll still do it. You just got to you know hashtag Ask ITB to either Adam at Kaplan NFL, to me at Jeff Mosher NFL, or to Billy Osborne at Ozzy underscore football, and we'll answer your question. So we have a question, Adam, from, uh, I believe his name is Keith Williams, KWilliams856 on Twitter. Do you think there will be any off-season coaching changes on either side of the ball? So that was something I, I, I addressed. Yeah. I don't have a name. I don't, I don't, I'm just going to say I wouldn't roll the anything board, out. Yeah, I, th- I, I know where you're going. I wouldn't roll anything out. Because mm-hmm. when you have a season like this, it looks like it's going to end in major disappointment after you just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There, there are going to be some serious questions. But you know, a couple of minutes ago, I was saying, like, look, people need to understand, when you have new coaches, when you have coaches that you have before in different roles, you need to be patient. You know, the, the, the one guy said to me, he goes, look, Frank, Frank's first year was a, a figure it out with him. It was sort of a season of learning because it was, it was Doug's first year. Mm-hmm. Second year, everyone had impact. I mean, it was crazy. Mike Groh comes in there and turns around the receiver group. Uh, he had an impact um, on third down. You know, Frank was great with um, Doug helping manage issues and, and getting the game plan together. But this was not happening year one. So you, yeah. you got to be patient with Mike Groh here. Everyone's killing okay, the guy. Like, come on. That's not the guy that is most commonly oh. talked about losing his job. Mm-hmm. Do you think if things get pretty bad here, that Jim Schwartz could lose his job. Jeff, tell me that I don't know Jim Schwartz. I think he does a pretty good job. He certainly has his issues every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, he said something in his press conference this week would made me really think, and I thought it was very profound. Like the plays they were making last year, they were flying to the football. Yes. All the Jordan Hicks plays, he was he hurt. Said he said they're missing as many tackles. It's just Why? that the second or third tackler, Why? though. Would, would last year was there and this and, year is not there. And don't and don't even bring up their backups. It's nonsense. Yeah. You brought up very astutely Hicks. Hicks Bradham. 
what has happened here? Who the same guys coaching them? Yeah, I, I couldn't. Not only the Played same players, right? Coach. Same position, same yeah. everything. Yeah. Couldn't tell right. you. Couldn't tell you what I. What I'll say is this: I think Jim does a good job. I think it hurts him that he is not one of those guys like say Jim Johnson or Wade Phillips who is universally beloved by even the people in his own building. You, you'll have a hard time. You go to <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> You'll have a hard time finding people who'll say something bad about Wade Phillips. I think even when they fired him, they loved him, right? Yeah, sure. I, from my own investigation, uh-huh. know that there are people in that building that don't think very fondly of Jim Schwartz. Now, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter it doesn't as matter, long as though. the head guy yeah. does. No, but it doesn't so, matter. You get, look, look, look. You know, there was an article written by the Inquirer last year that you know that, that uh, was speculated that he was trying to undercut Doug. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever, whatever. Whatever, or was it two years ago, I guess? It was, was it written Doug's I first year? I think it was last year, okay. at the beginning of last okay. year. Yeah. Whatever. The bottom line, it doesn't matter if you're good. If, if, if you win or if your defense is good, no one, who cares? I agree with but you. But it becomes a factor when all of a sudden when you're not you're, doing well. People are right. talking. People, there's chatter. You, right. know, you, you and I talk to a lot of people. Right. Um, people, the, 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 the tenor of the discussions I've had is people are really disappointed. They like didn't see this coming, and they're not even bringing up injuries to me. Mm-hmm. They're like, wow, we thought this guy would do better. We thought we'd be better in this area, and they're yeah. not. And it's sort of like the, you know, you say it's the whole team. It is, but you can't put your finger on any one area because the dam is broken here, man. It's mm-hmm. the, the whole, it's offensive line, age. It's lack of explosive plays in the screen game. It's lack of explosive plays downfield with Carson Wentz. Throwing it to a, a receiver who can't get downfield. That's mm-hmm. why they're Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Matthews once again on the outside. It's a lack of turnovers. They that is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like, could you guys just deflect a football and catch it? Gourget Hill. Well, he's he has one hand. I know he has a cast on his hand, yeah, but you, you still got to. I mean, that I'm, you know, we're, I know. we're starting to make excuses, you know. But but you got to make the play. Uh, well, I said I, I agree with you on Jim. I think he's he's good, even if he is a little bit enigmatic. I think though that if the Eagles have seven with seven games left. If they do anything worse than four and three, if it's three and four or worse, then I would it would not shock me, depending on how that three and four looks, if there's a bigger change than you and I think. Because in this town, when it's okay to be a little bit disappointing, but when you really f- fall short, that's when the higher ups get itchy. And <laughs> well, you know how the higher ups ma- have acted. Okay, in the past. maybe maybe so, Jeff. But it's not like great. What, I'm not going to call him Jim great. He's very good. He's solid. Uh huh. It's not like these guys grow on trees. It's like you think you're going to get a guy like better than Jim. Okay. Now, now then there could be personnel changes on on, on the on the defensive roster. Then you're talking mm-hmm. about Tetra Kosher's leaving, and then you're talking about some guys who don't fit. Right. So so that that you know you got to be careful when you go there. I mean you can I'm discuss you. it. I'm with but you. But if you're if you're if you're people in the front office who want changes, mm-hmm. it's Doug's call in the end. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, look, everyone wanted Greg Lewis out. It just was not working, and it turned out to be the right decision. Got right. Grow did a phenomenal job, but this year you can't point in one area and say it's being coached well or played well. I agree with that. Before we finish off with our predictions, I'll get to one more point about this game coming up. If there's going to be a little bit of a silver lining in some of these injuries, is that with Sidney Jones coming back and them being down, Jalen Mills and uh, Ronald Darby, we might finally get to see Sidney Jones on the outside as a corner if he's ready to go. That's where Sidney Jones should be. Uh, so oh, he's if answer. there's a silver lining yeah. in any of this, that you go down to New Orleans and you may finally get to see Sidney Jones in his natural habitat. And number 13, Mike Thomas is on the other side, who is maybe they right now... around a lot, though. Is it, is it, yeah. Slot everywhere, yeah. but he's a monster. He's he is a, a monster. He's a phenomenal football player. No one has been able to slow him. He's kind of like the Zach Ertz of receivers. You cannot slow this guy down. I don't know how he gets open all the time, other than great scheming and play calling, but... Um, Good luck to the Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, <laughs> good segue when you say good luck because we're going to get to our predictions here. I'll, I'll start with you. What do you envision Sunday in New Orleans at the Superdome? My first reaction earlier this week is I thought the Eagles would get smoked. Oh, I thought it was going to be another low-scoring game by no, Adam Kaplan. No, I know. I know. Wise asses. You know, where, where, where's Bartrud? I need to punch him. Oh, that's anyway, funny. Uh, you guys are right. Sometimes, right here! There he is. He's a tough guy. Oh, you can hear. Yeah. Uh, the bearded wonder. Um, yeah, I think, I think, I think, let's put it this way. I think it's going to be 37 to 27 Saints. I think there's going to be a lot of points. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm laughing because... Uh, John was great. 
John I have Bob. said every week it's going to be a high-scoring game, and you have said don't even every start week with me. It's going to be a low-scoring game, and you, you've been right all the time. <laughs> and now you're jumping into mine. I like the boat, over, yeah. But I actually <laughs> no, you don't because the, the you're talking about the number one versus the number two team in time of possession. These teams are really good at moving the ball and taking up time on the clock, and I don't see. First of all, also the Saints are coming off 51 points, and you go find me. By the way, the rest of the starts in the fourth quarter. I know. Sick. Go find me the, the team that scored 51 points and then came back the next week and even scored um, 30. It's very rare. Against this defense? I, I know. Uh, I know. Dude, who's, who's Drew? You want to watch Drew, Drew Brees carve this? They've never. Look, as well as uh, Saquon Barkley did against the Eagles, what do you see? Kamara. Kamara would be running downfield, man, running like, like uh, smoke and angle routes and all sorts of stuff, man. <laughs> It's going to be nasty. Well, uh, I think if the Eagles have been anything this year, they've been predictably, predictably unpredictable. Correct. So I'm going low-scoring game. What? I'm going what? Saint. Well, for the Saints Eagles, okay. I'm going 26 to 21. That would be under. Isn't Saints. it total like 53 or something? Yeah, 26 21 Saints. Wow. Field goals in there, man. Really? Yeah. Why not? Right. I can't see it. So well, give me your score. I want to write these down. I, 37 27. 37 27, and I'm saying 26 21. Both man. taking the Saints. Oh yeah, how, how you know? And yeah, my, I, I have my family. Point, I have my I have uh, my brother and brother in laws going, and uh, my nephew Brian, is, who's in the Navy, Special Forces, is coming home for this. I I hope it's a good game, man. I hope because you know they're going down. There's like ten of them. It's awesome. I I uh, it's always a good time in New Orleans. Where I know, it's lose. awesome, but I just <laughs> hope the Eagles. The Eagles, have, the Eagles have a lot of pride. I'll say that they ca- they do care. This is like when a- Andy Reid's last year. I agree. Twelve. I was working for the Eagles from a media standpoint mm-hmm. with, with uh, Spadaro and the, those people. It was nah, miserable. they had checked out. It, it, it was miserable. I know, was I know miserable. who you're talking. There's no. about three or four guys who just had checked out. Oh no, this is the year, yeah. the Jason Babin years. Yeah, yeah. There's no one like that. This is yeah. a great, great locker room. Right. They're just. I think it's just the entitlement part, folks. I'm telling you it's part of it. You People could deny it, but it's part of it. Well, we'll see if it changes. We'll be back uh, on Saturday. Yeah. We'll be uh, at WIP from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock p.m. doing our weekly Inside the Birds radio show. And then, of course, we'll be wrapping up the Sunday's game back here on Wednesday for another Inside the Birds podcast. So check out uh, Inside the Birds on Twitter. Again, at Inside Birds. want to thank all the listeners. Uh, catch us on Saturday on WIP, and we'll talk to you next week.